Welcome everyone to the Random Inks Podcast. My name is Justin, and as always, I have my co-host with me, Mark. This is episode 7 of our podcast. Today is September 18th, and we've got a good show for you guys today. Today we'll be talking about the upcoming Salt Lake Comic Con. Starts this weekend, starting Thursday, September 21st through September 23rd. So we'll be talking a little bit more about that in preparation for the upcoming convention. We'll also be talking about IT. I went and saw it earlier today, and we have uh, some initial impressions that we want to talk about. And we'll also be going into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whether it's legit without the X-Men and Fantastic Four. Mark's a big gamer, and we'll be talking with him about the latest video game purchase, Divinity, Original Sin 2. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So this weekend is Salt Lake Comic Con, uh, this Thursday through Saturday, September 21st through the 23rd, and Random Inks, Justin and Mark will be there. We'll be talking with various guests, cosplayers, going to panels, and just soaking in the nerdiness. We're looking forward to it. Definitely. Yeah, we're excited to be there. Uh, We've gone... I think at least one of us has gone every year since it's been here. Uh, We've enjoyed it. It's the fifth year um, that it's going to be here. And it's staying pretty consistent as far as size and excitement, it seems like. Uh, So it's exciting. I think this year's probably big guest that everyone's looking forward to is either Elijah Wood or Dick Van Dyke, right? Yeah. I'm more of the Elijah Wood camp. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) me too. I think he's more relevant you know as far as comic cons go i think dick van dyke uh, you know a lot of people know who he is but you know he's not real relevant when it comes to an actual comic con but hey you know it's a good name you know i'm sure a lot of people are excited to meet him so um i know that they had announced some last minute uh additions okay to the um to comic con uh they they're bringing in uh, the guy from Vampire Diaries. You know who I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Paul Wesley? Is that his name? I think so, yeah. A picture so, of his face, but I'm not a big Vampire Diaries guy. <laughs> you know, I, I watched the first season with my wife a long time ago, and, and it wasn't bad, but um, it, it wasn't great from what I think vampires should be. You right. know, and, and after... Uh, Twilight series, I, I kind of have a vendetta that vampires should be written a certain way. Yeah. In the way of <laughs> Stephanie Meyer or a different way? Uh, I think that vampires should be written in a way that you traditionally think of. I, I, I guess when I think of a vampire, I think of things like uh, Underworld. Right. Right? Yeah. That's how vampires should be written. I just don't, I don't really like, you know standing in suns and turning gold and yeah. weird things like that. I, I don't know. It's just strange. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. So, yeah, Paul Wesley, Vampire Diaries, is, our, is the latest big guest announcement. So if you're yeah, a big he, fan of Vampire Diaries, go check it out. And, and he's only there one day. Uh, he's only going to be there Thursday. So if you want to see him, make sure you're there Thursday. Uh, I don't know if they've actually announced – um, when his panel or pictures or anything like that is. Uh, last time I checked, uh, that might have changed, but 
Um, oh, actually, here it is. Uh, Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m., he'll be in the Grand Ballroom. Um, okay. So for an hour, doesn't say anything about uh, autographs or pictures or anything like that, but he'll be there for sure. So make sure you show up Thursday night. Yeah. So like I said, we'll be there throughout the, the weekend, and we'll be talking to various people, shooting video, shooting audio. So over the next coming weeks after the show, we'll um, after the con, we'll you know be doing short episodes posting videos to our youtube account things like that so just a reminder if you don't know that by now salt lake comic con's coming up this week finally so we'll let you know how it wins you know question about about that i know you and i were talking about it and i guess i just want to talk about it here and get some feedback from from you know our listeners and see what they say but I know you got the VIP again this year. Uh, I think we got it last time. We've kind of talked about the validity of the VIP as far as what you get for for the bang for your buck. I think you said a VIP pass is two hundred and fifty dollars now. I know it was quite a bit, you know, quite a bit less expensive if you bought it early, or but uh, you know it is it is quite expensive compared to the other tickets. Do you feel just as a you know, a patron, someone going to Comic-Con, do you feel that the VIP at Salt Lake City Comic-Con is actually VIP, or do you feel it's more of like a moneymaker? Yeah. I've gotten it a couple times before. I think this is my third time getting it. I either get the VIP or I get the gold pass. And as far as feeling like a VIP, no. I, I haven't felt like a VIP in the past with the previous two passes I've gotten. Um, they, they let you in an hour early, which is, it's nice. You don't have to deal with the crowds and standing in line. So that's a good perk, but there's actual nothing that you take away, you know, nothing physical that you take away from, from that part of it. Um, you do get to stand in the VIP autograph line, which is considerably, shorter so that's that's nice so i guess the big thing that you're doing with vip is saving time at least that's the big takeaway that i get out of it they do give you like a little collectible um i got a a little patch this time and then last time i got like a little sticky uh wasn't necessarily magnet it looked like a magnet but it was a a sticker so you get this little trinket and then you get a poster that's it looks nice so they do give you something but they also give that to to the gold people as well like a lesser version so it's not nothing too exclusive and it's not like i could go and sell it on ebay for you know a couple hundred bucks and that's not my goal but a true vip um, swag that you get in other cons, you can there's value to it. Is what I guess is what I'm saying. There's a monetary value, and then there's if you're a collector or a fan, there's that kind of value. And with this Salt Lake Comic Con VIP a swag that they hand out, I don't feel like there's any value to it. Honestly, I could take it or leave it. So my uh, up to this point, no, I don't feel like a VIP. I feel like I'm paying a lot of money and not necessarily getting the, the reward for it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, let, let me kind of like let me break this down, right? The so VIP pass is two hundred and fifty dollars, and besides, you know, your your express line, you know, for your time. The only real benefit you're getting, you know, I mean, you get a cool collectible VIP badge, right? And it looks like a $5 special order that says VIP, right. you know, is a $30 photo op voucher. Oh, get, yeah, the voucher. <laughs> right. So you get a $30 voucher off of a, a signature. But the interesting thing about that is you can't even use them against the big, you know, like Elijah Wood. You can't well, use year- that. This year they do have an upgrade option. So I could upgrade to Elijah Wood for $50. So for a total of $80. Um, so th- so that, I think they that wasn't necessarily an option in the past or it was limited anyway. You couldn't do all the guests. Um, if you want to just use the $30 straight up and not upgrade, pay extra, the options are very limited. And I think at this point you get uh, Jason Font, who was in Power Rangers, like the old Power Rangers, Red Ranger. And then there's another Jack Stouffer from Battle like the old Battlestar Galactica. And I'm looking at his picture and I don't even remember him from Battlestar. He's just one of the supporting casts. Well, and that's from the late seventies too, yeah, right? So like unless the you're old school old Battlestar. Comic- yes, unless you're like an old school old school Comic Con warrior like us. You're not going to know who he is, right? You don't yeah. care about getting well, his autograph. he was on the list, and I was like, who's Jack Stouffer? Who's Jason Font? I had to go look up their picture and be like, oh, that guy. And to be honest, I wouldn't pay – I wouldn't use a free $30 voucher for their autograph. Yeah. So it, it, just, it. it just seems silly because you're supposed to get this perk, and it's not really a perk, right? It just kind of makes you feel better about yourself. So let me ask then – a multi-pass is $60. So if you don't really have anyone that you want to get an autograph from, there's no one that's just jazzing you, right. would you stick with the $60 multi-pass instead of a $250 VIP pass? Yeah. I mean, if there wasn't anyone who I wanted to get an autograph from, and I would just wanted to go to the panels, I just wanted to go walk the floor, uh, look at all the, the booths, check out the artists, the artist alley. If that's all I wanted to do, then... $60 for a three-day pass is the option I would choose. And I'm pretty sure that's what I'm going to do next time. So what about, say, like Stan Lee came again, right? <laughs> but you got his autograph, you know, like you paid the $100, whatever it is for. So you're going to get his autograph. But it's just one signature. It's a big signature. Would you still pay 60 over the 250 Or yeah. would that be worth paying the 250 No, I'd, I'd still pay the 60 Because you'd probably spend a couple hours online getting his autograph. But if that's the only one you wanted, then that's sufficient. Well, at a hundred and ninety dollar difference, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get paid ninety five dollars an hour, so sitting inside the line for two hours is worth it, right? I right. mean, uh, two hours of waiting to save a hundred and ninety dollars is yeah is easy, right? I mean, even maybe even two signatures would be fine. I mean, it just kind of seems that that the VIP at Salt Lake City Comic Con is lacking. And that's not to say that they're not doing good things at Salt Lake City Comic Con. They are. But I think that everyone and us can agree the VIP pass needs to be upgraded to feel VIP. What, you know, that being said, what do you think can be done to make that happen? 
Oh, there's a couple things. I mean, looking at the website right now, you know, two days before the the convention, first day of the convention, they still have VIP passes available. It says there's a limited quantity, but there's still some available. If you want one, you can go buy it. Um, I think that's the first thing I would do is I don't know how many they, they sell because they don't publish that number, but let's say they're selling 500. Hopefully not that many. Okay, let's say 300. I would drop it down to 100, 150. Make it so it's a limited thing. And even if they want to charge $300 for it, I'd, I'd be fine with that knowing that there's only so many available. You get it. You really are the a VIP because there's only 100, 150 of you. So that would be the first thing that I, I would do. Second thing, I would, in addition to all the things that they you currently offer, I would add those, you know, keep those things, and then I would add a couple more things to make you feel like you are a VIP, where maybe a meet and greet option with one of the the guests, whether it's, you know, a, an Elijah Wood, or if it's a John Barrowman, or perhaps um, Joan Cusack, you know, all the way from A to C level, it doesn't matter, have some sort of meet and greet, or an autograph, they hand out an actual autograph, not to just give you a voucher for someone you've never heard of, but let you choose an option of some person who's of value. So that would be the first couple of things that I would do. And also, the the big thing now are the Funko Pops, right? Um, maybe hand out a VIP exclusive for Salt Lake Comic Con, uh, a Funko Pop that's only available to VIPs. You know, some some type of toy or trink, not a trinket, but uh, collectible. You know, I don't want another patch. I want a collectible that's worth something. Like I said earlier, monetarily as well as, hey, this is a cool thing that I want to display on my shelf, and there's only 150 of them, and I got one of them. Well, yeah, and th- and that makes sense, right? Because if you're already paying. $150 more than everyone else, right? And this special item is going to be probably retailed at some point for $50 to $100 anyway. You know, might as well get the limited edition one. Yeah. And let let that extra money go to it. Because as I look at it right now, like legitimately, this VIP pass does nothing but make them more money at a relatively low cost. In fact, I think they put as much money into a VIP pass for $250, like as a company, Salt Lake City Comic Con, as they do a gold pass at $95. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely something to look at and, you know, and fix. And we've mentioned this before. I like to mention it just, just because I want Salt Lake City Comic Con to succeed. And I think part of being successful is listening to your fans' criticisms and responding to it. And I know I've posted on the boards, and and a lot of the times you get you know Salt Lake City Comic Con rep- response saying, "Well, the majority of our people like it." Well, that's nice, but the majority of your people don't buy buy VIP P passes. So how about you just talk to the VIP pass holders and find out what can be done better? Yeah. Because it can be done better, but. Um, Aside from the VIP passes, I, I think it's going to be a great event. Um, I'm excited for s- some people that are coming. I wish more. We could have got a little bit bigger names across the board, but 
you know, it's, it still should be a fun event. There's always fun things to do there. I think you can agree with that. Uh, I'm excited to see a couple, um, a couple, you know, different tables. I know we linked one on our Facebook page, right? About, uh, um, Regal Robot. Yeah. Yeah. They're a pretty a fun group. Um, they were at uh, Star Wars Celebration in Orlando this year in April. And I walked by their booth several times just because they had these really cool uh, custom tables. Like they have the Han Solo and Carbonite desk where, you know, it's a clear glass top. And under, you can look into it and see a replica, a life-size replica of Han Solo and Carbonite. And then they have a couple other. They had, they had a Bantha couch. And Bantha is the the green dinosaur-looking monster from the original Star Wars, Star Wars A New Hope, that the stormtroopers were riding looking for the droids in the desert. So, like, the back and the arms were a... No, it wasn't a Bantha. I'm sorry. It's a Dewback, a Dewback couch. So the Dewback is the green uh, monster thing that they would ride. And so you could sit in this couch. It was more like a love seat. It was a little, the seating was, you know, for two, maybe three people. And then it just was really cool looking. And they had a couple things like that. It's custom furniture, custom star Wars furniture. And the thing that they're doing right now that they're making and kind of promoting that's more cost effective, um, more affordable because those things were several hundred dollars, thousand dollars. I mean, they were pretty pricey. They're amazingly awesome, but they were pricey. But the thing that they're making right now is a Mandalorian skull. Um, the Mandalorians are like the Boba Fett's, the Jango Fett's, the you know the warriors, and they had a skull for their symbol that they would wear on their armor, and so that's kind of a a three D replica of that that they're selling. So, and there's different versions, like there's like a a pewter version and, you know, just different options, different price points. So, and the guy that is in charge of that, his name's Tom Spina and he does a couple panels and he's, he's a fun guy to listen to. A lot of Star Wars knowledge. His specialties are like the monsters, the cantina scene from the original Star Wars, all the monsters there, all the aliens from Jabba's palace. You know, he likes those type of things and him and another guy Pablo Hidalgo from Lucasfilm who's a you know in charge of you know keeping track of all the knowledge all the planets all the characters and all the backstories of everyone that's his job he's there he'll be there with Tom Spina and they always put on a panel about the cantina from Star Wars A New Hope and the different aliens and it's it's always very interesting so definitely go check that out if you get a chance Great, yeah. They're booth six thirty one. If you, if anyone wants to go check them out, uh, I've looked at just looking at their page. Uh, they do have some cool stuff. Uh, those Mandalorian skulls do actually look pretty awesome. So go check it out. You know, you know, tell us if you like it, if you don't like it. Um, so it looks like, I mean, we'll, we'll probably definitely be there. Go check it out. Yeah. And uh, a lot of things to do there. They have a schedule put up. You know, if you want to see what's going on. Get a schedule, of, you know, and uh, plan out plan out your time. Looks like there should be a lot of fun, and um, looks like they have a little bit of everything. So, yeah. so I know we're gonna try to go. We have life, so <laughs> life is kicking our butt. So we'll try to get there in the evenings on Thursday, Friday, and then most likely for sure on Saturday. Yeah. 
Alright, so moving into the movies, there's, I think we keep saying this every episode, because <laughs> there's just not a lot of movies right now. It's that time between, you know, the summer break and fall. The movies don't really start kicking up till November, but I did go see It, actually. I went and saw that today, and it was pretty pretty freaky. <laughs> did you like scenes. it? Was yeah, it did you... I did. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... It was, it was kind of crazy, right? I yeah. mean, if I hadn't seen it before, if I didn't know the story plot line, I would be like, this is too almost like devilish or satanic <laughs> or something for me, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, this is kind of crazy. But um, the story doesn't end that way. So because I know that, I don't take it that way. Uh-huh. Um, but I know like talking to a lot of people – that's what they took from it, and it was a little too much for them. Because I know some people have a hard time, you know, watching like possession and type yeah. type movies, and this kind of can come off that way, but it's not that way. Right. It, you know, once you've seen the whole thing, it all kind of makes sense, and it kind of hinted at it, right? Um, in the sewers, you know, there's a couple sewer scenes when they're down in there that, you know, what it what it was, right. and. Um, but just watch it. I mean, it'll be scary, but just watch it. Watch the second one when it comes out. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. What was your, what was your kind of favorite, um, favorite thing about the movie? The scariness, the jokes, the actors. I mean, what what did you really like about it? Yeah, all those things were great. Um, but I would have to, if I had to pick one thing, I would say it would be just kind of the, the '80s feel to it all. I mean, I felt like. That was that could have been my childhood, right? Riding around town on your bikes with your buddies, trying to get away from the bullies who are driving around in their cars, chasing you around and stuff. And you're running through the you're ditching your bike and running off into the woods so they wouldn't catch you. You know, I did all that stuff growing up. Uh, you know, it was me and my friends and just hanging out, getting in a little bit of trouble, nothing too crazy, but you're still, you know, you gotta run from the cops or whatever. So. I th- I think just that feel. I mean, that was a, a big nostalgic thing for me watching it, and I really related to that, and that really drew me into the story. So I, I like that. What do you think the big thing is? like? Because that kind of seems like a common theme, right? The yeah. 80s-type feel movie. Stranger Things has that feel. Yeah. It, it has it. Uh, Super 8, there's a couple, you know, you can go across the board. There's quite a few movies that are and shows that are coming out with that feel. What do you think it is about that that's was so exciting do you think that because i remember watching those films right back from the 80s and i loved them that they just didn't have great technology so do you think they're just putting new technology and keeping the film and and having great movies or do you think it's just kind of a nostalgic thing people are getting older that were from that area and we still want to watch it i think it's a lot of things i think you got the filmmakers who grew up you know the same age as us and grew up in that era the 70s 80s early 90s perhaps so they're, you know, they're writing or uh, making stories about what they know. You know, that's what they know. They grew up in that era so that they're at, we're all experts on the 80s because that's when we lived. You know, we know all the, the shows that came out. We know all the books, the games, the video games. You know, we're, we're all experts on that stuff. And I think if someone who didn't grow up in that era or perhaps grew up in the 60s tried to make a movie like that, it wouldn't come off as authentic and nostalgic as what these movies are coming off as and these shows. So I think, you know, people are writing what they know, what they remember, 
you know, they have a chance to be like, oh yeah, that'd be cool if, you know, we always pretended that we were being chased by a monster or whatever, but what if we made a movie what they were, a monster really was chasing us, you know? So it's kind of, they can do that with technology, like you said, you know, they have a, a better grasp on making things looking real, looking realistic. So I think we're going to see that. I think that's going to become more prevalent in themes because of the success of Stranger Things and, and this movie. So I think we'll we'll see more of that. And as long as they're they're good stories, I'm I'm okay with that. I think that's a good move because you know the the people who are going to movies and paying money to go to the movies, they you know, we all grew up in that era, so let's go see a movie about when we grew up and all the fun things we did. Well, yeah, right, and uh, I mean that's how kids played too, right? I remember, you know, going down by the river all the time oh, yeah. and going in open sewers and just yep. random stuff, right? I mean, yep. uh, the things that we did and and going to woods. We must have built a fort every other day because oh, yeah. we couldn't find the fort we made in the first place, right? So, yeah. uh, and then like a year later, you wander across one of your old forts. What do you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that that's pretty cool. That's pretty good observation pretty cool you know that the doing that because i like it um what do you what in what do you think for you was the scariest scene like <laughs> what did you just watch you're like oh crap you know like yeah I, I just browned my pants you know like what was it yeah um that's hard to say because they were all kind of at the same level of scariness I mean, it starts out with that. I think everyone's seen it, so it's this part of it anyway. So it's not necessarily a spoiler, but when the at the beginning when the boat goes down the sewer and he's talking to Pennywise, the little kid. I mean, that was pretty freaky. What happens there? But I think going well, and that was a bit different, right? Yeah. It was a little different than the original. I I don't I don't remember the original. Oh yeah, in, in the original, right? You just kind of see him grab him, pull him, and. Adios, but this one is a little bit more oh, yeah. more graphic. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> and that's what was freaky about it because you didn't. I mean, I expected the kid to get grabbed. I was like, yeah, he's gonna grab him right here, but I didn't expect what happens next. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was intense. So go on. Sorry, yeah. I can't keep interrupting you. No worries. So, I, but I if I had to pick one scene or one part of it, when the 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 older boy is it Bill this the kid that stutters is that his name I can't remember mm. kind of the you know the main kid that's the leader yeah I know what you're talking about. I can't remember his name though I I should I should be prepared I I yeah. don't remember his well, name I just saw it like four hours ago so I should remember but <laughs> um but he was kind of in the in his house and he heard, hears a noise it looks like his little brother that got kidnapped. So he follows him down into the cellar. You know, you got the creepy cellar scene that's in every horror movie. And he goes down there and he talks to it, what he thinks is his little brother. And then Pennywise is there. That was probably the most intense, scary scene for me. Oh, and he's in there. the water, right? Yeah, the, like it's been raining. So the, the cellar is filling up with water and Pennywise is hiding in the water. And he kind of comes out all creepy and tries to grab this this kid but he he does he escapes so that was pretty intense yeah i remember that yeah that was that was probably one of the more scary parts yeah. for me it's when uh 
I think it's Mike. Um, the yeah, I think it's Mike. You know, the friend that they they meet, and he's like works with the sheep. Yeah. You know, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, is when he's walking by that butchery. Yeah. Remember, and the door opens up, and you can see Pennywise back there in the butcher yeah, that shop. Was, that was creepy. That probably freaked me out yeah. the most because, and, and the reason why is because I think every kid can remember passing by that scary house or that scary yeah. door and they, they freak themselves out. What's behind that door? You know, the monster's going to jump out. And lo and behold, literally something that's already freaky holding dead things in it already opens up. And yeah, that, that part scared me. I, I'm not going to lie. I have a hard time with scary movies and my, my hands were most like 80% covering my eyes. <laughs> and uh, yeah. if my wife wasn't there, I don't know if I could have watched it, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it was a it was a bit scary. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. There are a lot of scenes like that. You know, they're all kind of the same level. I think it just kind of what your personal fear is, which is kind of one of the themes of the movie, right? But I think just one of your whatever your biggest personal fear is, they had a scene for that. <laughs> oh yeah, everything, right? Yeah. Clowns, the basement, the scary door, the, the bathroom. Yeah. You know, anything. Yeah. Anything and everything, it's there. And I don't know, for me, I I liked it overall, but it almost got a little much, right? It just kept going yeah. and going. Did did you feel that way too or you yeah. kind of like, okay, okay. Well, yeah, I think up to a certain point, and it was towards the end. I think when they were in the house and they kind of the kids kind of figured things out and then you kind of realize, okay, well, if they understand that it's not scary, then I'm not going to relate to that anymore. You know? So I think that's the point it turned because the kids realized it, how to beat the fear and, you know, overcome Pennywise. And so as an audience member, I was like, well, if they're not scared, well, I'm not scared. And they kept repeating the jump moments or, oh, I'm going to get you moments. And it, at that point, it was like, well, why don't they just catch him? Or, you know, they know how to, to beat him, so why don't they beat him now? So I think that's the point when I started to think, oh, this is a little too much because it's not, the characters aren't scared anymore. So that's that was my thought, but I, I can see what you're saying. It was still freaky, and it, the story wasn't any less. Like, I still enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. I kind of got to the point where I was like, oh, well, I know he's not going to, do anything to him yeah yeah no i understand uh what'd you think about uh the kid that played henry bowers but henry's the one that uh um kind of goes crazy at the end right and falls down the sewer oh yeah the the bully kid the older kid yeah yeah do you think he's done do you think he's coming back in the next one because in the original he comes back right he's one of the main players that He's like in a crazy home or something like that. Hmm. I think it'd be hard to justify or um, create a story that he, how he survives, because it was pretty intense how he fell down the well. And it it appeared to be, I don't think it's bottomless, but they never really found the bottom. And he bounced every which way on the way down. So it'd be hard to bring him back unless he's a monster like a possessed zombie type thing. I mean, I guess he could come back that way, but he, I don't know. I'd be, it'd be, I'd be hard pressed to believe him coming back unless they had a really good reason 
really good story as to how he made it and survived that fall. Yeah. So when the second one comes out, you're going to go see it? Are you excited for it? Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, I was I was glad to see at the end there. It's like it says book one, you know, at the end. So they kind of hinted at that they – and I, I think I read it somewhere on Facebook that, you know, they're going to do another one and they're going to be older kids or older adults, and they hinted that at that at the end of the movie. So I think that's a good move. Well, because it's uh... – I mean, they say it, right, that right. it comes out every, like, 38 years or 20 years, years, 27 years or something yeah. like that, right? So, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to see the same actors. Right. I don't think you're going to see any of these kids again. Yeah. Um, it just you'll wouldn't make the, sense. You'll see the characters as grown-ups, right? Mm-hmm. Is that how the original was, or? Yeah, yeah. The original, the first one is, like, same thing. You had a bunch of kids, and then in the next one, they were they were all older. Okay. And um, yeah, I think that's a and good move. so yeah, you didn't have the same. So it'll be interesting. Uh, overall, I think I gave the I gave the movie a solid B minus slash B. Um, most of mine came down because of it. To me, it just got too monotonous. Like it's like okay, like the scary scenes are just getting like too much, right? There's not enough story. You're not telling me enough in between. Right. Um, and I like that about the original because in the original, like you still saw Pennywise a lot, but a lot of the times he was just in the distance waving or just being creepy, you know? Yeah. You didn't, there wasn't as many incidents like that. Right. Um, so, and then I, I knocked it down a little bit. It, the jokes were funny. Don't get me wrong. I love the jokes. They're freaking hilarious, right? Like those are like quotable quotes that me and my friends that went saw it, we keep quoting to each other. But um, but for me, I mean, you got these young kids that are like, what, 11, 12, 13 years old. And I remember being that age and you like, you just don't hear, you know, no one's joking like that at that age. You know, no one's yeah. saying those You're things. Wonderful. and. F this, F that for every other reason but to say it, that's like 15, 16, 17-year-olds, right? Yeah, and yeah. they're just not that age yet. So to me, it felt like they were just putting that in to get a good laugh or make, you know, you know, kind of lighten the mood because it's supposed to be scary. And and it was good. It just didn't fit their age. So it kind of turned me off to it. Right. right. So I don't know. What would you give the what, – what score would you give? the movie as far as a, a grade um i would probably a b like you said the uh, i think the the scenes kind of got redundant i mean i i can see what you're saying there um i think the the part about how it being age appropriate is probably the reason why I'd knock it down the most. I agree with what you said about the language and the jokes that is more like older teenagers. And also for me, it was like, if I was 12, I would not be going into a house by myself without a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, hmm, there's this crazy monster in here that's killed like 20 kids. Let's go walk in and, uh, yeah. um, and then we'll split up when we're yeah. inside. Great idea. Yeah. Like that's when you're like, oh, I drew the short straw. I'm leaving anyway. <laughs> yeah. Adios. Yeah. I'm going to, at least I'd be like, I'm going to go get my dad's gun 
I'll be back. <laughs> or I might go get my dad. You yeah. know, be like, Dad, there's uh, something crazy over here. You know, I need you to just trust me and come check it out. You know, and if he said no, then well, sorry guys, I'm yeah. not going. Well, sorry about your brother, dude, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going back. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not going to go climb down some crazy well and uh, you know look for something that's already that I've witnessed, right? Yeah. So, but I did like it. I mean, it kind of reminded me of Stand By Me, which is another Steve, Stephen King movie from the 80s. A lot of kind of the same camaraderie that they had there. Uh, reminded me of the Goonies a little bit. So, it, it's definitely a, a good show to see. B, maybe B plus. Probably, no, probably just a B. Good movie. So. Yeah, and, and that's it's looking like what it's the audience score out there. Looks like out of... Uh, just looking at one uh, place, 44,000 user ratings, 87% liked it. So we're right there. You know, I'm a little bit low. You're right about on. But uh, great show. I, I would suggest going seeing it if you if you like scary movies for sure. It's a great Halloween film, right? Halloween's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's done great. It's been number one in the box office for the last two weeks now. Yep, I can see why. And we'll have, uh, like I've been saying the last couple episodes, we'll have a Stephen King expert on, self-proclaimed expert, or maybe at least I'm proclaiming him to be an expert. So we'll talk more about it. We'll get more down in the weeds and a little more detailed and spoilerific. So look forward for that. That's just These are just our initial impressions on it. Changing gears to an, a different movie franchise, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, there's been some talk over the past few months, ever since Spider-Man Homecoming was announced and uh, Sony and Disney were able to work out a deal where Spider-Man would appear in the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies with uh, the Avengers. There's been talk about, well, what about the X-Men? What about... Wolverine and the Fantastic Four, when are they going to join up with everybody and be part of the same movie franchise? Because they've been part of the same comic book franchise for years, for decades. And there's a lot of interaction between the Avengers, the X-Men, Fantastic Four, and their you know worlds and, and then things that they do. They often team up, or they often fight. you know. So there's a lot of stuff going on between these groups. But the history is way back in the day. Um... In the 90s, uh, Marvel wasn't owned by Disney, and so they were just trying to get movies made, so they sold the rights of the X-Men and Wolverine to 20th Century Fox, as well as Fantastic Four, and then Spider-Man to Sony. And so now that um, Disney owns Marvel and then the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, people are saying, well, why not bring them all in together? So... There's been a lot of talk about that, and I guess what I want to talk about is, you know, it doesn't even matter that they're in the same universe as far as the cinematic universe. You know, is is it important that they bring them all together? Can they have separate stories, separate universes? I know there was some crossover in, in a sense where Quicksilver was, was it Quicksilver, the, the fast guy? Mm-hmm. He was in the, the latest, he's been in the last two X-Men movies. And he was in the Avengers, but he got killed in the same movie, Age, Age of Ultron. So there's kind of that character thing where they kind of share a character for a little bit. 
But as far as crossing stories and all that, that hasn't happened. Yeah. And, and they kind of did the storylines a little bit different too, right? Uh, yeah. They didn't quite tie that in very well. So I, I don't know if you could at this point. Um, I, I kind of like what they're doing with James McAvoy and those guys, you know, with the with the recast and the new yeah. new team, right? Right. Uh, when they're younger. I, I like that. Um, I think – in my opinion, if they bring anyone over, it's only going to be Wolverine because um, uh, Hugh Jackman's done, right? He's, he's announced he's done doing Wolverine. That was his last Wolverine movie, and, and I think that's an easy way to do it. They kind of wrote him out of the X-Men series anyway with his death, yeah. and they, you know, it kind of seems like they're – they were trying to move away from it. So if I see it, I can see Wolverine coming because he's a big player anyways in that, in that universe, you know, with the Hulk and all those guys, he, yeah. you know, he, he is a major player, whereas the rest of the X-Men aren't as major. And so I would like to see those two stay separate. I think if you bring them together, you're just dealing with too many storylines, too many trying characters. to fit everyone. Yeah. Trying to fit everyone in and, and then it will almost be like, you're just throwing characters in to give them a cameo. Yeah. They don't. They don't really bring substance to the film. I just think it's too many, and you know, I think you kind of run into the same problem too with Fantastic Four. And I, I wrote about this on our Facebook page, you know, and I said, you know, the only, you know, it would be nice to have him because you know, Mister Fantastic was part of the reason why, you know, helping launch the Hulk into outer space, you know, so he goes to the Hulk world where he's at now, etc. Yeah. But, um, but other than that, I. You know, we've had a couple of uh, Fantastic Four movies, what, three of them now? Yeah. And uh, they've been all just horrible, epic failures. And I'm a fan, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just have not liked them. Uh, and, you know, I know there's a, there's probably some, you know, people out there that love it and they, they can like it for what it is. I know you saw the new Fantastic Four and, you you know, you'd said that there was some things missing and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But they just weren't really well put together. And I think if you try to resurrect them now after so many failures, you're putting yourself on a thin line. You could bring them in and if they're still fa failures, they bring the whole movie down. Yeah. And I just think that's a really big risk for a small reward. Because what you're going to bring them in and make the show great, it's already great. Yeah. You're going to bring them in and tell a better story. The story's already made, and and we like the story. You know, I don't think you're you're going to add enough to it at the risk. Because I mean, that's a killer. I mean, that could kill a franchise. I mean, it, it was killed once, then it killed itself again. <laughs> so why resurrect it to possibly kill anything else you put them with? I mean, you're, you're going to team them up with a the X-Men to see how it works, then you're going to kill two franchises. I just think that it's, uh, at this point, maybe, you know, let the Fantastic Four be buried for a while. Hmm. You know, maybe resurrect them in, at some point, but not now. I think it's too soon, and I think the X-Men has a great thing going with all their origin stories, so just just bring Wolverine. That That's my take. That's how I like it. But, um, you know, I, I just have... You know, on the flip side, I just have a hard time seeing anybody else play Wolverine other than Hugh Jackman. So maybe just leave Wolverine out too. I I don't know, yeah. but uh, I mean that's he's, kind of my take. He's what been you playing think? Wolverine for decades, right? Since early '90s, mid '90s at least. Oh yeah, he played in the first 
X Men One, right? Yeah. And that was let me tell that came out in two thousand, so seventeen oh, years ago. Okay. I thought it was nineties, but okay, two thousand. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure for him it's two decades, right? Because I'm sure they <laughs> started filming sometime in. Yeah, they they started filming it in late nineteen ninety nine. So. Yeah, eighteen, seventeen years. Yeah. So yeah, they've been. They've been on on that a while. He's been on it a long time and and yeah. for him I'm sure that was a good move to step away. He did what, like seven or eight movies? Yeah. Maybe nine, something like that. Yeah, I think we're so used to him playing Wolverine that it's hard to see someone else, but at the same time, it would be nice to have a fresh face, a new take on it. Just kinda like what they did with, you know, Professor X and the others when they brought in the the younger actors, right? It was it was different. It was refreshing. So I think they could do the same with Wolverine if, with the right uh, actor. So. Well, it's kind of easier for them to do that too, right? Because you could say, hey, James McAvoy looks like, Char- you know, as a Charles Xavier 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? Yeah. But Wolverine, he's going to look the same now as he did 100 years ago. So yeah. it's kind of easy to just keep the same character. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I don't even know who they choose, but, I mean – who knows? But I mean, what do you what do you think? Do you do you want to see him in? You know, bring them all together. Do you think it's crap? I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think I don't know if I want to bring him into the Avengers, like the the Disney Marvel universe. But I would like to see the X Men and the Fantastic Four team up. I think I think they're both owned by the same company. Or am I wrong? But I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're all 20th Century <laughs> That's Fox. A question. So I think it'd be a good idea. I mean, you could, like you were saying, you've, you've brought in the Fantastic Four to the X-Men. It could kill the X-Men, but it could also you know, resurrect the Fantastic Four. It could go either way. So I think if you get the right story, the right director and all that, I think you, you could actually make it work. Um, so I don't, I don't, like you were saying, if you brought everyone together, it would be amazingly awesome, but at the same time it would be crowded. I mean, it would be a bunch of cameos, basically. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do with, like, Deadpool, right? Yeah. Seen a crossover with, with them, you know, and, and the X-Men. So are you going to bring bring him over just because his movie was successful? Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, and just uh, for the record, I did like the latest iteration of the Fantastic Four. I thought – I think it had, it had good potential – and I could see that potential, but it didn't reach the potential. And I think that was the biggest disappointment. And there were parts where that they cut out in the editing process. I kind of, I think I mentioned it to you earlier that they, when they capture them, they come back from their, you know, jaunt to this other dimension and they turn into, you know, their, their superhero form, I guess you could say, where, they have their powers and all of a sudden it jumps to the, the thing is hunting down, um, Reed, Mr. Reed. And you don't get the implication or the story as to how, why that would happen and how it happened and all that stuff. So it was kind of a, and it was like, Oh, and a year later now they're, they want to capture him and kill him. So I think, you know, they cut out important parts of the story to trim it down and the movie ended ended up only being like an hour and a half hour and 40 I think 
So it wasn't like it was overly long. They just cut out parts of the story for some reason. But I think it had it had the potential. It just didn't reach that potential. And that's I think that's what killed it. But I would like to see him. I don't know if I want to see new characters. I thought the characters were fine. There was a lot of backlash about uh, the Human Torch being black. Played by Michael Jordan. Is that who it is? Michael B. Jordan. I, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't really get that. I was like, eh, it doesn't matter really. But I think that there was just a lot of negativity about it before it even came out, and that hurt it, I believe. So, but I would like to see, like I said, all the the Fox 20th Century Fox properties team up, and then you could have, you know, um this team over here with 20th Century Fox and this team over here with Disney you know competing actual in in the movie theater I think that would be a healthy competition so that's my take on it Uh, yeah it kind of got beat up as far as a hero movie on a box office too it made money Mm -hmm. but I mean 155 million dollar budget 168 million dollar box office yeah. So it kind of got beat up at the box office as far as these go. Um, Rotten Tomatoes gave it like 8%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, – and then looks like Google users, just looking at the Google users, you know, 50-odd thousand people even gave it bad reviews, 30%. I haven't seen it myself. But, you know, overwhelmingly I've heard a lot of negative things. Uh, I know, like you had said, you you would have wanted more story. I don't think it matters who played the Human Torch, right? I mean, right, if you right. really want to get upset about it, look who played the Human Torch in the first one. Yeah, Chris yeah. Evans. Right? So if you really want to get mad at something, get mad at him uh, jumping a hero ship, right? Yeah. So, And then putting on like 50 pounds of muscle. But um, well, Plus, those movies didn't do very well either, and people forget about it right they don't remember mm-hmm. that chris evans was in a bad movie you know so. yep yep so i mean i i guess we could i don't know i don't know how optimistic i would be it but let's get real i'd go see it yeah. so i mean doesn't matter what they do i'd go see it maybe if they did that that's what they're banking on yeah. right is yeah. it doesn't matter what we do they're gonna still come mm-hmm. people are gonna come see it so they just need to make something worthy enough to make people want to come see a second one. Yeah. So I guess my final question would be, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe legit without, you know, the Fantastic Four being a major player because they are in the comics? Are they legit without Wolverine and X-Men? I think they're legit if you keep the universe in a compact area like it is now, right? You're talking about specific events with specific things. I mean, they, they have like world-ending events and only thor's in the movie right they have world-ending events uh and just iron man's in the movie so i mean they have it condensed where it's just like you know you're you're not talking about everything so if they keep it condensed as it is where you're just talking about you know small you know like a big event but in a small way then i think it's fine i i i don't think you need them well, but if you want to open up the universe, which kind of sounds like that's the way they're heading, yeah, right? that's what Avengers, what the next one's going to be about. 
right? That phase three is all about like expanding their universe. It looks like, yeah. And and if that's the way they're gonna go, then then bring them in. I I don't think you can expand the universe to that large of a scope and not bring them in. I think that's when it becomes a travesty. But if you're gonna keep it kind of how it is, then I don't think you need them. Yeah, I I can agree with that. So we'll be curious to see how they deal with Thanos, right? That's a a threat from outside earth a threat from you know a different galaxy or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. he's going to show up with his armies and they kind of did that in the first avengers but they were able to stop it pretty quickly but it sounds like this is going to be you know way more uh intense and have a broader scope and so if you, if they did show up i don't think they will because there hasn't been any breaking news on it. It'd be all over the internet if they did, if they brought in, you know, Fantastic Four or X-Men. Mm-hmm. But I think that would be a good movie or a good story to, to bring them in because it would be so um, broad. It would be, you know, encompass the whole Earth. You know, any hero on Earth, superhero on Earth, is going to want to respond to that. And if they don't show up, then, you know, what were they, you know, if, and if you do bring him in later and a couple years later, it's going to be like, well, where were you guys when Thanos showed up? What were you guys doing then, you know? <laughs> you guys were just chilling and watching? Like, what the heck's wrong with you guys? Yeah, yeah no, I know what you're saying. Uh, I mean, I, like you said, it would be a good good one to bring them in. And I know they've hinted at a couple deaths in the Infinity Wars, like a couple major player deaths. I happen to think it's going to be, you know, Chris Evans. Yeah. He's, you know... I, I think he only signed on for so many movies anyway, and I think he's right there at that threshold. So I think I think he's going to be gone. You're going to see um, his friend, I can't even think of his name, take his place. Yeah, Falcon. Yep. Um, and no, is it Falcon or Winter Soldier? No, not Winter Soldier, Falcon. Okay. Um, and I, I'm not quite sure who else. I... I could see him killing certain players, but I don't know who else it would be. But I bet you see probably two, two solid p- players leave. Yeah, uh, the, the I franchise. Think Robert Downey Jr. He, I think he's going to leave the franchise. I don't know if they'll kill off Stark, but he might like retire or something. You know, just step out of the game. You think that's part of the writing, or do you think that's just the end of his contract? Uh I would say it's more of a business decision. Like maybe he wants to just move on and do something else maybe come back to it in five six years but i think you <laughs> i always wonder why i mean i'm not an actor and i don't make millions so who knows but i always wonder it's like no i don't want a guaranteed payment of 30 million dollars <laughs> right yeah. like it just kind of seems funny to me but i mean these guys are actors and i'm sure like the creative juices want to get going right yeah. uh, and uh when you're playing the same character over and over i'm sure that can just get dull yeah. Uh, especially if you don't like the writing, but uh, but who knows? Um, so I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. I, I'm excited for the Infinity Wars. I'm excited for all of it. And yeah, but if they do, I think that's that's where they'll come in. Otherwise, they'll have to do some kind of weird reboot. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they should ever reboot it. I think they should just move in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, if you reboot it, I mean, do it on Saturday morning cartoons, right? Yeah. All right. So good discussion there. Um, so now on to Divinity Original Sin Two. Um, I played a, the first one, the first Divinity, 
for a couple minutes <laughs> with like an hour <laughs> hour and a half and then i kind of yeah. kind of got, got bored of character, it character creation yeah it took a while to set up everything and then it was on a family vacation so i wasn't too interested i wanted to go do something else sleep or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but you played them both and so tell me you know how when did this one come out and how long you been playing it so the early edition um came out oh geez maybe six months a year ago or so uh it came out so you could buy it in the beta version yeah. and play it so there's still a lot of bugs still a lot of things going on they're not meant for that to be the final copy they still keep adding things you know i know a lot of people that will probably listen know what that is you know but um for those that you don't uh what happens is a game will put out um like a ad or something like that or maybe you get an email saying that we're looking for beta testers and you can sign on and basically you get early access to the game and you can say what you like about it what you don't like about it and find bugs and and they will um respond to that in one way or the other and so anyways i believe the official version actually released like a week ago week or two ago and um I've really enjoyed it. The first one, I, I liked to a point. I couldn't really get into it because it had some big flaws, like storyline flaws, where you're required to do like a certain thing. Otherwise, you just fail at life and you'll never get past it. And that annoys me. Um, I don't like being told I have to have this specific gear on every one of my characters or I die. And that's basically what happened. And it just I couldn't get into it. Um, then the second one came out, and I started reading some beta reviews on it. I started watching some gameplay, and, and I'd been following it for a while and really enjoyed it. And, and so I convinced my wife to let me get it um, last week. And uh, so I bought it, and I loved it. I bought it on Saturday. And um, mind you, I'm going to school. I have a daughter. I have a wife that's pregnant with twins. Um, I'm going – you know, I've got church. You know, I've got work. All, just everything. It's now Tuesday, you know, what is that, 72 hours later, and 17 of those hours have been spent playing this game, right? <laughs> Lovely. I mean, almost as much time as I have slept is the <laughs> amount of time I've put in this game. So I, I've really liked it. Um, so you're saying story, it's good? Oh, good. <laughs> great. Uh, I mean, I would easily give it an A+. 10 out of 10, man, 100%. It is great. The the storyline is great. It makes sense. Character creation. One, a lot of the times, character creation is kind of is really limited as far as what you can do, and it gets annoying and pretty repetitive because a lot of the games follow the same type of of creation. But this one's really open. It's really easy to create characters. They have pre-generated characters, and from what I read, your first time through, you want to play one of these pre-generated characters because the storyline, you know. It, it helps with the storyline a little bit better, but they say for future play, make your own character. But for your first one, do that. So that's what I did. Um, the fighting, the fighting is a turn-based fighting uh, system. I, I don't know if you know what that is, but what happens is you show up to fight, and you know it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, where people have a certain order that they're going to fight in, and that can get annoying to some people. But this this way, it's lot more fun. I, I like it way better. It's easy to control. Um, did you ever play Baldur's Gate back in the day? 
Yeah, I actually beat the first one, played most of the second one, and then I enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, so it, it kind of has the feel of Baldur's Gate as far as how your person interacts with the world, right, and yeah. can move around, and it's kind of like an open world. You can talk to people, rob people, just mur- be crazy and murder people, whatever you want to do, right? You get to decide yeah. what kind of character you want to be. It's kind of like that, but in Baldur's Gate, when you had um, – uh, fight interactions. It was kind of a free for all. So you had to keep pausing it and tell your guys to do something else, yeah. and then wait ten seconds for it to happen, then scream at your screen when your guy didn't do it, and and uh, and so and that was kind of like a pitfall to ba- the Baldur's Gate series. And this takes it away. You know, this is just kind of like, look, we realize you're going to pause the game fifty times. So instead of pausing the game, we're just going to have a turn-based system on how it would play out, anyways. And and I've I actually like that, and it allows you to be a little bit more strategic, you know. Because before, you know, you get in a, a fight, you know, in Baldur's Gate, and you just kind of have to go at it, and you're already involved, and you have to keep pausing, so it's annoying. And so, in return, the AI is much better. So now you have to deal with a smarter AI, and you have to become a better player. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it because I, I like games that engage me like that. And um, I've really enjoyed it. I really have the and the reviews are on it are amazing across the board. Uh, I bought I bought it on Steam, and if you don't know what Steam is, Steam is a gaming platform, much like Origin. Origin's another one. Um, I buy most of my games from there. Uh, I do have games off the Xbox Store. I have games coming out my ears. My wife is sick of me buying games, but I I won't stop. <laughs> but uh, won't stop won't stop. No, but uh, I mean, I I like Steam just because it's on a PC platform. It's easy to access. Um, they have like a million games, but uh, I would definitely suggest checking it out if you like the old, you know, the the old school Baldur's Gate, Winter Nights, you know, all those kind you know kind of feel of a game. That's what it is. It's an RPG game that's just great, just great. I I, I mean, ten out of ten, easy for me right now. N- not even. Don't even have to think about it. That's cool. So, so, how long do you think it's going to take for you to beat it? I don't know. I don't know how many chapters there are. I've looked at some of the playtime from other people, and there's people with 50, 70, 90 hours on it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that's, you know, you know, they've restarted it. And, um, and on a second character because it just keeps a you know a running count of the amount of time you played the game, not how many how long it's taken you to beat it. Um, I imagine if it's like most RPG games in the Baldur's Gate series, it's a little bit better. I would say thirty to fifty hours, depending on how I play, mm-hmm. and and I think that's the key. Depending on how I play, people played games different ways for different reasons. I've played. Um, I've got a brother named Jeff, and he plays games, and he likes the little things. He does everything. He loves to craft in games. Mm-hmm. He will craft anything and everything because he likes it. That's what he likes to do. So if you like crafting things, gathering material, that's in the game. You can craft things. You can craft the coolest things you want, mm-hmm. um, You know, cook things you know, to eat and make your guy better, whatever. Uh, there's other guys like me that I'm just kind of like, I, I'm, I want to do the quests. I want to read the storyline. So I go around and find all the quests and do all the stories, and, and there's that. 
There's other people that like to go exploring and see what the world has to offer. Yeah. You know, how big is this sandbox and how, you know, can I get a uh, you know, cool screenshot with this or whatever, find all the secrets. It's there. It, it's, it has something for everybody, and that's what I like because unlike Baldur's Gate, which was really limited in that, this is very wide open for that. So there's plenty of game time to play. It's worth the money. Right now, I think it's on sale for – well, not on sale. It just sells for $45. But uh, I know that on Steam and Origin, there's sales all the time. I'm sure it'll go on sale for like you know, 30 or 40% off yeah. at some point you know, to kind of promote the game to, to be bigger. I didn't even know there was a Divinity Origin, Origin 2 until I got an email um, from my Divinity Origin 1 game, uh, or Divinity Original Sin 1 game telling me about it. So yeah. it's, uh, I, I'm excited about it. I, cool. um, I suggest playing it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, if there's like a main storyline, is there, is there something like that that you could touch on what it is or what's like the main purpose of the game? Yeah, so what it is is that your character he he's like a he's had what's called the source, and the source is kind of like your divine power, right? You can cast magic or or whatever. It's like an innate ability, and it's different for everybody. So uh, my ability won't be the same as yours or anything. And this power kind of got out of control with people that wanted to abuse it, mm-hmm. and a lot of people started dying. So these this group called the Magisters came together to try to figure out how to how to save the world from these evil people. But like most fanatics, they went too far. Instead of just trying to curb, you know, and, and stop the people who are abusing it, they just said, you know what, let's capture everybody and throw them in prison. And they created these collars so that people couldn't, uh, you know, use their power. And so what happens when the movie starts is you're this magister or you're this uh, source user who's been captured and you're on your way to jail and they're you know, they fit you with a collar. So you can't use your powers. And, um, and now you try to escape. And as you escape, you know, you have to kill different magisters, talk to them. You find some that are sympathetic to your needs and help you. You find some that are just are super zealots and they think every, you know, one should die. And so the first chapter kind of goes through as you're in jail and you have to try to escape the jail um, and you have multiple ways to escape it. Like there's back doors that you can, you know, find that allow you to sneak out. You can fight your way out, you know, and, and that's as far as I got. So it just kind of sounds like you're on a quest to make the world right. Like, yeah. look, while source people may be evil, we're not all evil, just like not all these magisters are evil, you know. And uh, so it just kind of seems like you're on this path to do that but I, I haven't read into the storyline so it's coming to me as i play <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to do it though yeah that, discover yeah. it as you go that's the way i like games i i like i don't like to read what i'm gonna do because i want to do it yeah exactly cool so when we played the the first divinity um we played it on xbox i believe yep yep so what platforms is this original sin 2 on uh, same platforms. I, you can get it on Xbox, PC. You can get it on um, uh, PlayStation, I believe. Uh, you can download it. I, I don't do a lot of PlayStation, so I'm not 100% sure, but I, I'm pretty sure it's cross-platform for anything. Right. Uh, the cool thing about Steam 
is that you can download um, a Steam app, kind of a uh, semi-legal way, (laughs) (laughs) download Steam onto your um, Xbox and then play play it off your Xbox. So if you like controller consoles, you can. But on the flip side, um, Steam does have a a control, like a game controller that they, they sell. So if you like that, you can just get it on your PC and then hook that up and play it that way. It just depends how you like to play. Yeah, okay. Is it uh, for PC and Mac or just PC? Uh, it's uh, PC and Mac. In, any computer um, can get it. And the, the neat thing about this game, too, is they have a couple uh, – what they've allowed this one to do is you can actually play the storyline with multiple people. So say like you got the game – uh, you could play in the same world I'm playing at, and we could interact together. And at the same time, you can go off and do your own thing, and I can do my own thing. Yeah. And uh, and if we want, we can fight each other. Yeah. And they have a PvP mode as well, so you can actually go in a PvP world and start fighting other people. And I, I haven't entered it. I have no idea what it's all about, but I keep reading awesome stuff about it. And uh, uh, I'm going to try it at some point, but I just don't know how they'll do it. You know, I don't know how that all works but uh there's a lot of fun things to it it's worth the 45 dollars for me i mean i spent it and haven't even cared about it yeah so do you need to play the first divinity to understand what's going on here or does it matter um i didn't even finish the first chapter in the first divinity and i'm playing this one and i feel like i understand what's going on so i don't think so uh that's not to say at some point in the game something's going to come up that I should have known, mm-hmm. but uh, as of right now, it doesn't look like I, I've had to. And and at some point, I'm sure I'll go back and, and finish Divinity, the first one. I just um, it's kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and yeah. I just haven't been excited to get back to. It. And as far as things go, I'm so busy that that's kind of down on my list. Yeah, you want to spend time with things you're excited about when you have limited time. I get that. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, Check good, out good. Divinity Original Sin 2 on your favorite platform. Play it if you if you want. If you if you are playing it, let us know what you like about it and contact Mark so you guys can join up and do some quests together or or duke it out. <laughs> Definitely. Cool. All right. So that's it for this episode of Random Angst. We've talked a lot about uh, different things from. Salt Lake Comic Con to it to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and wrapped it up with uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 Uh, we've enjoyed having this discussion and hopefully you've enjoyed listening to us we want you to participate the best that you can by you know commenting on our Facebook page or responding to us on Twitter or whatever social media platform you like to use we are on most of them Uh, our website is randomangst.com and this podcast can be found on soundcloud.com slash randomangst. We are also on patreon.com slash randomangst if you want to join the conversation there and get some exclusive content. Uh, we do have an option where it's only a dollar a month. It's basically you're buying me and Marcus Soda to share for the month that you are members to get that exclusive content. And it also allows us to hopefully do this podcast more often, talk about more things and improve the quality of our podcast. And hopefully after getting enough subscribers, we can start handing out some swag like t-shirts, 
um, wristbands, buttons, you know, whatever the case may be. So check us out there at patreon.com slash randomangst. We appreciate you listening, and we will be back with another episode. We will be talking about it, and maybe even some Game of Thrones with our next guest, Jordan. And we're going to try and squeeze in a Rogue One episode to, to talk about that movie. It's been a, a few months since it came out, so you know, hopefully everyone's seen it and has a good grasp on what happened. But we do want to have a, a recap episode of, of Rogue One and how that went down. We both saw it and both enjoyed it a lot, so we want to talk about that. Any last-minute thoughts from you, Mark? Uh, you know, go to Comic-Con. Have fun. Tell us about your uh, cool, nerdy stuff you're doing. Uh, we, we like to hear from you guys. Uh, you know, we enjoy enjoy people that want to listen, and we want to interact with you guys. So make sure you get out there and tell us the fun stuff. Yeah. Hopefully we get to, to meet you and, and talk with you in person. If not, you know, talk to us on social media. Let us know what you think. If you have any ideas or suggestions for topics that you want to have us address, um, feel free to let us know as well. Maybe we can bring you in as a guest too. So thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. See you guys.